see if I can punch through a voice. Kind of. Been fighting it, but I'm back. What up? L-E-F-K-O-E, man, the Left Go Show. Ingbert to my left. What's up, Left Go? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. We've been traveling a lot. Yeah, it does it does things to your voice? Oh, I'm in I'm and a out mess. of airports. That recycled air on the airport. Yeah, it's it's I, not good. I haven't had the chance to like not talk for two days. Mm-hmm. So uh, if I push through, I can get a little bit of a normal voice like this. But then I'm like, what damage am I doing beyond that? We'll find out. Celine Dion doesn't speak between performances. Really? She's just straight up. She gives you her two hours. She's magnificent. And then she just doesn't talk. I'm sure she's texting or she has a whiteboard that she carries around with her. I've been called the Celine Dion of Bleacher. I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, D the P is coming together. Ditch the playbook. Uh, We're getting ready. It's going to be airing uh, the Wednesday before the first game of the year. So September 5th, Thursday, Bears Packers uh, was the first game of the year. That Wednesday, our first episode is going to come out. It's going to be every other week. Uh, most of the season is shot. Uh, it's going well, but I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. And uh, David's been in the edit bay going crazy with Julian, so I'm excited. <laughs> I haven't been going crazy, and it's been a very pleasant edit. Um, yeah. And honestly, like the, the notes from other folks in Bleacher Report that have seen the episodes are very excited about it, as, as we are. Which I think great. you guys are going to like it. It's taking things that, that kind of would be here with the 33%, taking them to another level. Uh, hope you guys uh, enjoyed your SLFL Excuse me, your LFGL draft. Let's fucking go league. Uh, we had ours on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Ninety-two leagues for the let's the LFGL, the Leftco Fantasy Gridiron League. We were both drafting. How did you do? Did you take Andrew Luck? Uh, no, I did not. I have two fantastic quarterbacks, and I didn't feel like I was waiting too long on either of them. Um, I have both Russell Wilson, which I'm very excited yeah. about. Uh, my my first two picks, by the way. I have uh, Russell Wilson too. Oh, do you? In that league, yeah. Um, I have Michael Thomas, and yeah. God, now I can't forget anyone. Right? <laughs> no, I should have. Was a wide receiver? Uh, no, I had a run. James Connor and M- yeah. Michael Thomas were my two first. Super two picks, solid. Which I'm very, I'm very happy with my team. I have Calvin Ridley. I've learned when I talk to people, I will hear your first two picks. And then I completely lose interest. And I have Drew Brees. When they're like, like, and then in the seventh round, I got Hunter Henry. I'm like, bro, I am so out already. But I texted you that in the sixth round, I took Darius Geis, and you actually got pretty jacked up. Yeah. Well, you know, I like the guy. We love Darius Geis around the around Something our- may be happening with Darius Geis. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the draft is fun. Um, I drafted with my buddy, my home buddies last night, and all of the mocks. The 500 mocks that I did, it it finally, for the first year, felt worth it. Really? Where I got done... I'm, How many did you actually do? Because you say 500, I know it's kind of a joke. I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating. Wait. I'm telling you that on the Sleeper app, you can crank out like 20 in an hour. Oh my God. That's and, incredible. Like, it was bad. But it's the first year ever where I got done that league and I looked at my fiance and I said, holy crap, that was, I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I got, I got Hopkins and Tyree kill. Like, let's go. Dude. All right. So I'm, I'm way too excited. Fantasy though is not great. So good luck to your teams. Uh, again, we're going to play the playoff start in week 13 for the LFGL. The winner of the entire super league uh, LFGL will come on this podcast. This upcoming Thursday podcast. I am going to do my official predictions for the season. I know who I'm putting in the playoffs for the AFC. I had a moment of clarity this morning in the shower. Everything came into perspective. I am locked and loaded for my AFC. Am I going to be surprised by any of the picks? A few surprises. Ah, Feel good about them. I like it. NFC, 
I can't figure out the South and the North. Okay. They're too bunched up, but I'll figure it out by Thursday. MVP, all that stuff, bets. And I'm hoping, and all signs are pointing to, we are going to call the co-hosts that are going to be a part of this show. One is locked in. Fingers crossed on the other. Nice. But I'm I'm feeling good. I'm excited to let you guys know who you're going to be talk who you're going to be listening to all year and talking to on social media. But it's all coming together, man. I'm sitting there. I got all my notebooks. I'm building to take notes this season. I got my structure, my schedules. D the P ditch the playbooks ready to go. We're ready, man. NFL's Dude. happening. Yeah, uh, you're you're in the uh, the pre week one glow right now. And something has already happened. Andrew Luck. Saturday night. What? What happened? <laughs> We're going to do a little Andrew <laughs> Luck now, and then I have my seven big takeaways from preseason week three, which is always the big preseason week in the NFL uh, that I'm going to share after this. But Saturday night, uh, where were you? This is how everyone should be talking about Andrew Luck right now. Everyone's online going, it's the craziest news story ever. I mean, the owner of the Patriots literally got busted in a in a place down in Florida mm-hmm. uh, in a massage parlor. But this is the craziest thing that's ever <laughs> happened in the world. Uh, I mean, literally a, a Patriot had his house broken into, so the police showed up and found Coke, and now he's in trouble. But this is the craziest thing in the world. I mean, there's a million Patriot stories I would put above this, but... Where were you on Saturday night? Oh, I was. How putting, did you find out? I was putting my daughter to bed, and uh, when I'm putting my daughter to bed, I try not to have my phone with me because yeah. even the glow of a notification or a text or something can sort of brighten up the room and can you know any any excuse for her to wake up and go, oh, what's going on? There's bright lights, so I try to keep it completely dark. But of course, I forgot it was sitting on the night table next oh. to me, and then I got two sleeper apps and two Bleacher Report notifications, and then a text, and then I think you texted me back, and it was just it it was. Like Bing, 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 bing. Like it was a Vegas slot machine. Yes. And I was like, God damn it. I, now I have to check this. And so I checked it. And then I said to my two-year-old who doesn't know who Andrew Luck is, I said like, can you believe Andrew Luck retired 29 years old? That's pretty crazy. And she said, hi. That's what she said. So <laughs> so that was that was a strong take. There were a lot of strong takes on Twitter, but none, none stronger than hi. I, uh, so in NFL season, uh, this is a little bit insight of who I am as a person. To maintain my relationship, I have to give up certain days and nights for the relationship. Smart. I am entering football world Sunday through Thursday night. I don't exist. Sunday, Monday, Thursday, I'm watching football. Tuesday, I'm getting ready for the podcast. Wednesday, I'm making my picks. I am a. N- I am not hanging out. I'm not <laughs> doing dinners. Like people, are like, hey, you want to get a drink? Nope, can't do it. You're studying. You, you're free on Friday and Saturday. So I have made a deal with my fiance that date night is untouchable. Mm -hmm. We had to be in uh, DC on Friday night for a shoot. So Saturday was untouchable. I am on a rooftop. I am eating a steak. My phone is under the table. I have it like you. It's either in my pocket or it's like face down on a plant. You know what I mean? Like just keep it away from Mm -hmm. me. I'm not going to forget my phone. And in the middle of the dinner, fiance goes to the bathroom. And of course, that's where like, you're like, all right, this is my two minute window yeah, yeah, yeah. to look at my phone and then turn it off. And I go and I turn it over and just so many notifications. Flood. And I, I am cramming. I'm like trying to read everything. And as she comes back, I turn it and turn it down. And I'm, I, she doesn't know who Andrew Luck is. She has no idea what's going on. And I can't talk about it. And it's like, 
it's like your friend had a sleepover for ten with like ten kids with the class, and you weren't allowed to go. Yeah, FOMO. Because I'm like, there is so much shit going down on social media right now, and mm-hmm. I can't be a part of it. Um, but I, I'm sure that Colts fans wishes they had some time to digest. Sure. Yeah, I mean, just from the reaction. There's I, a, there's a number of ways to talk about this. Uh, I think the first thing I do want to talk about is the fans booing, because I thought me and you actually had a conversation in the car on the way to D.C. that wasn't even about this, but it touches on it. Mm-hmm. Large groups of humans <laughs> suck yeah. in general. Large groups of humans that believe in anything are the worst places to be. And we literally spent our car ride going, what is a large group of humans that we actually think are okay? And we ended on Buddhists. Uh, Also, I've been thinking about this more. Uh, People who work at zoos. (laughs) Excuse me. I I imagine if you add them up, there's hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of people who work at zoos. They all seem to be pretty cool with me. Because they're all like, they they put animals over people? Yeah, they're dedicating their life to like feeding pandas and like, you know, helping, helping a red panda, you know, Climb a, a tree. I don't know. I would Seem say like good people to me. that's an incredible take, and I support it because you know what? People that hold sloths probably get along really well. well. You think they're going to be bad feed. in mass? Yeah. yeah, they're awesome. But I would say towards the bottom is sports fans. Sport any given the, sports fan to is the great. bottom of sports fans is people that sit all the way through a preseason football game. <laughs> so I believe that. This is sort of what's also to be expected. And I want to say this really quick, too. As a Philadelphia sports fan who for the longest time has been defined by the actions of sports fans that I don't even know, I did not throw batteries at J.D. Drew. I did not throw snowballs at Santa Check Claus. Check the tape. You might have been there. I, I, I did know. not do those it's things. Possible. I did not cheer Michael Irvin getting concussed. It is, and I know that we need to talk about this so fans can go can do better. But I've always found it to cop out to shit on fan bases that react gutturally to stuff like this. When news spreads on cell phones at public events like this, people are talking. And it's so if the person that sits at a preseason football game all the way through, if they're supposed to gain clarity by talking to another human, but the only human they talk to is another person that sits all the way through a preseason football (laughs) game, these people are not getting clarity. These people are getting enraged. Because they're sitting there going, I just spent all my money on season tickets. It's the first thing. Now, it is incredible to me because my friend said this, that if this was a wrestling match, they, they, they would have the sense to go, one more match, one more. Like, I actually trust WWE fans because they're in on the storylines mm. than the NFL fan who's sitting there being like, it's Super Bowl or bust. Right, but one of those is scripted, one of them is not. Sorry if I'm breaking kayfabe for the first time. A thousand percent. You wrestling fans out there. But it is funny to me that wrestling fans would go... And NFL fans don't have that, and mm-hmm. I, but I understand it. So I'm not, I don't jump on the whole anti-Indianapolis fan stuff. I think if they had a parade tomorrow, they'd all show up. If we go, can go back to June when uh, Clay Thompson injured himself, and we thought that the Raptors fans were cheering for it. But if Rockets. You, 
Oh, it was the rocket. No, I think it was the no, Toronto it was Raptors. You're right, you're right, you're right. Um, and if you watch it and you see the, the Raptors and the, the Warriors players, they're like, hey, everyone, stop stop cheering for an injury. That's so horrible. But if you watch it in real time, you just think that there was a turnover that was happening. Kyle Lowry had stolen the ball, I believe, and was on his way down to score, and it was a very yes. big bucket. They were cheering for that, and they were booing for like some—, some they, they hated the Warriors. Yes. They weren't, I don't think they were cheering for an injury. I don't think they were booing Clay no. Thompson for getting injured. But the narrative became, oh, these fans are really you know being real jerks right now. We all want to, like, I always say that people like J.J. Watt are not normal. People like Tom Brady are not normal. Yet we talk about them like they're the normal athletes. Mm -hmm. The perfect living the lives, only eating what you're supposed to. Like, they're not normal. What's normal is the everyday NFL player that sometimes work out. He's kind of a guy. But we talk about that. And with fans, we, we expect everyone to be Wimbledon. Oh, <laughs> but the true thing is, is that if my team was in the Super Bowl, at, I played your team in the Super Bowl and Brandon Cooks got hurt. And my first reaction was, Fucking, this is helping us. And then I went, oh, don't do that. But my first reaction was, this is helping my team. Yeah, it's a net now, positive. And, and, and because of that, because you're so into it, you know what I mean? You're thinking about, so I don't bemoan them and I don't chastise them at all because I think it's normal. If they would have applauded, then we would be applauding them. But it is interesting to me that the only three people that came out disparaging Andrew Luck for quitting on his team two weeks before was Dan Dockich, Doug Gottlieb, and O.J. Simpson. Mm -hmm. An incredible trio. (laughs) If you were to ask, if you could go to dinner for four with three other people, this is right there towards the bottom of the list. Doug Gottlieb, Dan Dockich, and O.J. Simpson. Gottlieb got raked for his, I mean, his Troy tweet. Aikman destroyed him. Yeah, I mean, Troy just, Aikman just came out and, and said, "Oh, I guess that's how you stay on FS1." R.I.P. the cra- Twitter feed. Did you see what uh, what my man Doug Baldwin said? No, uh, it was it was a really great tweet. He wrote. Um, how dare luck not sacrifice his body for my entertainment? Who cares if your shoulder is too messed up to pick up your child? Who cares if your knees are too messed up to play with your kids? Who cares about your quality of your life? What about the quality of my Sundays? Strong take from Doug Baldwin. Look, I heard Simmons talking about this where he was saying that the correct response actually is to say, this is kind of shitty. Like, it's okay to say it's a little bit fucked up that he's leaving the team two weeks before, but in the world we are right now of uh, thinking about the humans, we've never thought more about humans as athletes as we do now. Uh, Uninterrupted, their whole thing is more than an athlete. Mm -hmm. We have the Players' Tribune where people get to speak for themselves. I literally come on here and say this is the Players' Podcast and I fight for players all the time. Where we are is an ideology with covering sports. We've never cared more about these human beings than we do right now compared to the past. I, there was a one of the 30 for 30s was about Houston Oilers. It, it may have been a football life where there was one season where all these distractions happened. And one of the storylines that happened was one of the players missed a game for the birth of his kids. This is early 90s and was chastised by the media for not caring as much. That, that happens in baseball all the time. But now in our society, it's completely different. And so in a weird way, Andrew Luck is part of the switch from being very tribal and caring about teams to now, if you ever say anything about letting down teams or being whatever, it, if you are going against the human rights or, or health or longevity, it's immediately seen as wrong. 
I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's interesting to look at that switch and yeah. how we've turned like that. Definitely. Uh, with with Andrew Luck, the narrative, I think this this retirement will become the poster incident for people describing the new era of how we think about players and we think about mental health and we think about physical health. Chris Borland may have been the first who was the San Francisco 49ers linebacker that had a concussions and after like one great year or two great years, he called it after two. Yeah, I'm not saying he's the first person to retire he's the early. Concussion retire early guy, but what were you saying? Well, I mean, Barry Sanders retired sure. at 10 years. Robert Smith retired when he was like 28. Remember how good he was? He had to go back to, to like go to Harvard or something like that. I mean, a, a lot of guys have retired very early and we go, huh, I guess good for you. And I, actually, interestingly enough, Rob Gronk is also 29 years old, the yes. same same age as Andrew Luck. No one said, oh man, come on, you have another five years in you. The they difference were... between those two was we had heard through the media for three years Gronk really isn't enjoying himself. Gronk's really hurt right now. People are diving at his really, knees every time he touches Gronk the ball. Can't walk. He he had braces on every single bend of his body, right. knee, elbow. With Andrew Luck, I think part of what made this such a shock is the Colts have been insanely secretive about him for the last three years. Remember, when he missed that entire season, we didn't know that he was going to miss that entire season. When he played, we didn't know he was going to play. Like mm-hmm. everything has been in secrecy and in doubt. So there's been we don't know where he was and because and it was really to save face for the Colts so that they could still sell season tickets under the guys that he was going to play. But I think in the end, it really hurt Andrew Luck because we never knew the truth of how hurt he was over this time. Right. And I think that's a factor in it, too. Do you know who the commissioner of the XFL is? Yes, he's not going. <laughs> What's uh, Oliver, it's Oliver Luck? Luck. I just I really I really enjoyed that uh, as a as a possible conspiracy theory yeah. like one extra peg in this story. If I was a Colts fan though I would be I would be a little pissed and I'd be a little upset. Mm-hmm. And I I think you can appreciate Andrew Luck for what he gave you, but I think you could also look around the NFL and go, okay, Texans are going to take a step back. We got the Patriots and we got the Chiefs, but like we're really like the third team in the AFC. Um, we we finally have the offensive line like. The thing that's so crushing, he had no help for so long, and now all the help is here. And he finally got the GM, and he finally got a wide receiving core with Paris Campbell and Devin Funchess and T.Y. Hilton, and he finally got an offensive line that he's never had. I mean, when I look at Andrew Luck, I think what's really incredible is you see what he's done this with. His offensive line allowed 100 sacks in the first three seasons. He never he had one 1000 yard runner in his seven seasons and it was a thousand and twenty five barely made it Frank Gore. He averaged three point nine yards a carry. So here's a guy that had no offensive line. He really only had T.Y. Hilton and then. His running backs, he finally has Marlon Mack. Everything's coming together. He's got an all-pro rookie at linebacker. They, ha- they didn't have a defense the entire time. And he finally has it, and now his body breaks down. That's also what's so crushing to me. With oh, it's totally crushing. And it just goes to show that this was much more uh, than just a simple decision for him. Because 
if if it was if he was looking down the barrel of another year where he was going to get sacked 48 times in 16 weeks, maybe that's where he says, you know what, screw this, I'm retiring. But if it's looking like he's got the team around him, you know, they're they're totally in contention for a possible AFC championship type berth. You know, totally. Uh, I think they're the favorites to win the the AFC South this oh, year. They were now they're with, now they're the biggest underdog. Right, with luck they would have been. So if he's got all those pieces together and he still retires, we know how how heavily this must have been weighing on him. I knew that it was set in stone by listening to all of the coaches talk and also knowing who Andrew Luck is. Andrew Luck is never going to be that athlete that comes in and does something spontaneously. Andrew Luck is maybe the one quarterback that would sit in a dark room and meditate. Mm -hmm. That would sit in a room and really think about his decision. The other thing that I believe you look at We could have seen this coming with Andrew Luck if we realized what is about to be coming. 17 days from recording this, Andrew Luck is turning 30 years old. Mm -hmm. He is currently 29. And a lot of people make a lot of turning 30. We see this all the time. I'm sure 30 years old was a big birthday for you. Mm -hmm. Everybody comes up and says, wow, it feels as though your life is changing. I got engaged at 29. A lot of major life events happen at that. And this is something that goes back in history, history that Andrew Luck, I'm sure, has paid attention to. You look at Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos was somebody that was working at like a bank. He had a D.E. Shaw uh, and he left to found Amazon in his garage a few months before his 30th birthday. A very successful man in finance that said, I'm not doing what I want. I need to follow my passion. Okay. Charlie Munger, who many people believe is one of the shrewdest investors that's ever been. He was, you know, at a law firm making very good money, wife, kids, right before his 30th birthday, got divorced, left, started his own thing. There's a lot of people in history that have incredible potential, that were already really successful at something, that when they hit that point, begin to question everything and think, I need more. Andrew Luck, by all accounts, is one of the most intelligent humans and worldly humans that have ever played the position of quarterback. And so really, him turning 30 in a few weeks, all of this makes sense. Sitting in a training room for four years, rehabbing a body that we all know is being piecemealed together and that we're just trying to get through for record books and for pieces of paper and for stats. Now, Super Bowl is a whole nother thing. But in his mind, he's got an entire life to live. And he is worldly enough to factor in these things. And I really think the fact that he's about to turn 30 is probably pushing him in that direction. I respect that. Uh, I've always thought about that as I'm sure everyone out there that, that isn't a mega, mega millionaire like me um, has thought about the, the amount of money that it would take mm. for you to just be like, oh, great. Now I can just live my life for the rest of my life and I can just buy a house somewhere and just hang out and raise live my child and live on interest and be able to go on trips. And 
uh, clearly Andrew Luck has has reached that that number. And I wonder, actually, and this is this is going to sound facetious, but I, I I swear it's a true point. I wonder if he had played his whole career in either San Francisco or in New York City, mm. if he would have a different number in mind, mm. right? Just in terms of the amount of wealth he'd be I surrounded don't think that's by, crazy. right? If he lives in Indiana, uh, you know, having twenty five million dollars in the bank is a very different thing than having twenty five million dollars in the bank in Manhattan. Sure. In terms of the lifestyle, well, he's he not going to stay there. And, oh, I, but you're talking about having saved money to this. Point. I'm saying the sort of people he's hobnobbing yes. with. If you're, you know. If you're Derek Jeter, you're hobnobbing with a very different crowd than if you are Andrew yeah. Luck for your athletic career. Yeah. And I, I just wonder if maybe, you know, 25 million in Indiana, maybe in New York, he says, you know what, I will stick this out for the remainder of my $58 million contract because yeah. I want to get that in the bank. But as you've noted, Andrew Luck, very intelligent guy, probably has some really strong investments going. I am positive he's going to continue earning money in some capacity after sure. he's, he, maybe it'll be broadcasting, maybe it'll be coaching. I don't know. I think tour guides. <laughs> maybe he'll be a Himalayan tour guide, yeah. for all we know. Or maybe he'll do Civil War reenactments. He could be the highest paid Civil War reenactor in American history. My only disagreement with you in terms of the city is, I think what determined this with Andrew Luck was the lack of support he got and what it did to him physically. And I think the way that I'm always going to remember Andrew Luck is realizing that Football has officially changed. I believe that Andrew Luck is the figurehead of how we look at football players. It happened right at a turning point of the league. And what I mean by that is this. Andrew Luck is the poster child of how we all want quarterbacks to play the position. But what we know is that it's a little bit too reckless. We want our quarterbacks to be throwing while there's defensive lineman draped on his left arm and possibly pulling down his neck. We want him running over a safety to try and get the first yard, first down yardage. That was Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is the guy that we use to Carson Wentz to go protect yourself, mm. get out of bounds. Don't be Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck played the way that I've always wanted my quarterback to play. I wanted him to play like a fullback with the arm of a cannon mm-hmm. and that's what Andrew Luck was. He got sacked a hundred times in the first three seasons. He had a, he had one running back that crossed a thousand yards, just barely. It was Frank Gore. He really had T.Y. Hilton, and that was it. That man won more games than that team ever should have, and it was by sheer will. And I think what's really unfortunate is what happened in 2015 to him physically, and then what the league realized. 2015, he lacerates his kidney, and then he misses the entire next season. 2015, the movie Concussion came out, and we could talk about whether or not it was a good movie or what the impact was, but at that point is when the NFL and the public said we need to care about player safety. Players began retiring very early, like Chris Borland. Uh, Coaches were having to come out and talk about practices and all this and protecting. It was a league issue. And right in the middle of it, before concussion and after decision, BC and AD, Hmm. was the career of Andrew Luck. Right in the middle of Andrew Luck's career, we started caring about player safety, but it was already too late. And that's what I'll always remember about Andrew Luck. He was the last guy that's going to play the quarterback position the way it's truly meant to be played. We've had a lot of guys that were going to get tastes of it. 
We've already seen the end of Carson Wentz. Cam Newton sometimes puts himself out there, but he didn't go as hard as Andrew Luck. We've had guys play through injuries, and Tom Brady's tough, but nobody's played with the physicality of Andrew Luck, and I believe he played during the last generation of us going, I love this kind of stuff, and from now on, it's like, Andrew Luck will be the example of why we can't do it anymore. It's interesting that the way you're describing Luck is almost exactly the way in 2012 I was describing RG3, right? The guy drafted right after Luck where he had these electrifying runs and we're watching it like this guy plays the position. Oh, my God, he doesn't care if he gets tackled over the middle. This guy's going to run for an extra six or seven yards every time he can. And you start wondering as a sports fan. I remember even having this discussion with a Redskins fan friend of mine back in 2012. Would you rather have five years of brilliant RG3 or 15 years of maybe a slightly less, you know, thrilling Kirk Cousins, for example? And it's a difficult decision because we now know with Andrew Luck, like in order to get the the version of Andrew Luck that we've all wanted, we get six or seven seasons of it, unfortunately. And maybe if he had played a different way or if he had been brought up from middle school and high school to play a different way or to absorb contact a different way or to get rid of the ball rather than trying to scrunch forward for that third and two. Maybe we he does get to play for 15 or 17 years like Phil Rivers. The 2012 draft is a bizarro world for quarterbacks when you think about the difficult situations we put these guys in. Okay. Andrew Luck, Ryan Grigson did a very poor job of building that team. He's become the fall guy in this entire thing. Uh, Andrew Luck thrown out there, rain or shine, healthy or not healthy, with no offensive line and no support staff, gets hurt, retires early. RG3, after an incredible rookie season, thrown out there on a sloppy field, already hurt, hurts his leg, never the same, becomes a journeyman backup. The third quarterback taken that draft in the top 15, Ryan Tannehill, Mm -hmm. again, thrown out there, has been hurt off and on throughout his entire career, runs a lot, takes hits, hurt. The guys taken in the third round and afterwards, Russell Wilson, protected. Nick Foles, Nice slow burn. Kirk Cousins in that same draft. Right. So you look at the three quarterbacks taken in the top 15, Luck, RG3, Tannehill. You look at the guys taken after the third round, Russell Wilson, Nick Foles, Kirk Cousins. I would argue that the later three were treated like the franchise quarterback. Well, also because the Redskins, they traded up to get RG3 and they gave up a king's ransom of potential draft picks over the next few years. And I remember reading, I think it was a Bill Barnwell piece who broke down exactly how much value five years later the St. Louis Rams were able to extract from the five, seven, whatever first round picks that they got for, for the RG3. And it then starts making me think about Peyton Manning. The, the, the Colts were willing to give up Peyton Manning because they were like, I would rather give up our legend Peyton yes. Manning for 15 years of Andrew Luck. Yes, if you had told right. them, that was the debate. If you told them that it was six years of Andrew Luck, then they would say, seven. let's roll the dice and get three or four years of well, six years as a starter, yeah. seven years in the league. Yeah. If you had told them, all right, it's either Peyton Manning for four more years or Andrew Luck for seven, they clearly would have kept Peyton Manning and maybe they could have flipped that number one overall pick for half a dozen new offensive tackles and a new, yeah. you know, defensive that was stud. Also, that was also one of the last draft. Well, We've seen it with Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. Uh, Both those teams traded up to get those guys and gave up a lot, but they did not give up as much as Washington and and, uh, what Washington did for RG3. That was a year where you could have gotten the King of Kings ransom. Teams don't trade that much anymore. But this was back in 2012, I'm saying. saying. When Peyton Manning was coming off those neck surgeries, we didn't know if he was going to be good, but we saw him in Denver, and he was damn good for three more years. Peyton Manning has a crippling... 
possibly career-defining neck injury playing for Indianapolis. Andrew Luck unable to go after seven years. Maybe we'll start realizing that contact on turf might not be great for all positions. Mm. Uh, a lot more give on grass. The U.S. women's soccer team talks about this. They end up getting forced to play on turf at all these international so tournaments, they, and they're like, no, we want to play on grass. It's a totally different thing. One of the themes of this podcast is grass, not turf, okay? Because the best soccer players in the world, not even just women, like Messi, Ronaldo, it's in their contract they're not allowed to play on turf. And so Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, it ain't that forgiving. Right. And... I, I'm for all the people there that are saying that this was a waste. I would say that you guys did not appreciate Andrew Luck enough when he was there. Uh, as I've said before, I don't know if I've enjoyed anyone playing the position more than Andrew Luck. The seven years he gave us, the comeback against Kansas City, uh, so many of the times he lost in the playoffs, the team shouldn't have even been there. The year that they got blown out by the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, they upset. Uh, I think it was Peyton Manning's Broncos just to get in that situation. I think what's really incredible was when you look back at the injury that started this, that 2015 injury, the game in which he got it when he when he woke up and he was peeing blood and he had a lacerated kidney and a torn ab muscle. You know who it was against? Can't remember. Peyton Manning's Broncos. Mm-hmm. So think about that. That all of the major injuries started in the in his effort to unseat and beat the man and the shadow that he was trying to replace. There is something beautiful about Andrew Luck's career. I am not going to sit here and it's changing who I'm picking for the AFC South. That's fine. And part of the reason that everyone's coming out to support Andrew Luck is because the media supports people that are good to the media. And Andrew Luck has been one of the best to the media Mm -hmm. in all circumstances. But I am not going to sit here and say what could have been with Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, in my opinion, is not a Hall of Fame career. And that's okay. But in my mind, Andrew Luck had an incredible six to seven yard span at a six to seven year span. Whenever we have a young quarterback as Sam Darnold has a big year this year and Baker Mayfield continues to make runs every time that we see most touchdowns through the first two years, Luck's name is going to be there. Every time that we see most wins in the first two years, Luck's name's going to be there. He was on the trajectory, but I am not going to sit here and say, what coulda, shoulda, buddha, coulda, shoulda, woulda. I thought Andrew Luck's first seven years of his career, he has earned the right to say peace out. He got no fucking help. Everybody doubted him. And every time he lost a big game in the playoffs and people blamed him, I would get furious. They shouldn't have even been in that situation, but they were only there because of Andrew Luck. So Andrew Luck can do whatever he wants. I applaud him. I, but also, Colts fans, it's okay to be pissed. It is. You, it, you just got broken up with, and it's shocking because it's right before the wedding. And you're going to realize in a year from now... That wedding wasn't going to work out. And I'll tell you what, maybe Jacoby Brissett is fantastic. And I think everyone around here would love it if Jacoby Brissett was awesome. I'm going to say this. 
the Colts are going to rally around Jacoby Brissett. I still believe that they're going to be an eight or nine win team, mainly because I thought they would have been a 12 win team with Andrew Luck. Right. That's still and a I think he's about a four. But eight or nine wins with Jacoby Brissett, they are going to be in the playoff hunt the entire year. I think the thing that excites me the most about Jacoby Brissett is when Andrew Luck came back, he said he was actually a little bit jealous of Jacoby because he has such a good relationship with the team. I look at the comments of T.Y. Hilton. I look at where he said, I love Andrew Luck. I'm dedicating this season to him. Yep. The Colts are going to be good. But I think what sums up who Andrew Luck is as a person the most is that when he decided he went to the coach and the coach said to him from Frank Reich, if Andrew's not there, we got to move on. We got to name Jacoby the guy and we got to go forward. And Andrew Luck responded, isn't that what's great about the game? Andrew Luck, more than any athlete, maybe Kirk Cousins, <laughs> understands mortality, and he understands what's temporary. I could see Kirk Cousins doing this in a few years, too, by the way. Reaching a point where he's like, I have more than I enough. I made my money. Totally. I might not win a Super Bowl, but that's okay. Totally. Yeah. But the fact that Andrew is going to move on, and the fact that he is content, I'm upset that the moment when he wanted to deliver it was taken from him, but at the same point, that's the NFL, man. But I, I applaud Andrew Luck. It's been a joy to watch him. Uh, he'll always be one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks because he came in Peyton Manning's shadow and he was deemed the next great thing. And I thought that I thought every year of his career, except for maybe one, not including the injuries, he was a top five quarterback. Every single year. I look forward to describing this to, let's say, my grandchild or something when they're looking at, hey, man, like, who are the best quarterbacks of your era? And they're looking at the numbers, Peyton Manning and Drew Brees and Tom Brady. It's like, here's who's critically acclaimed career you might yes. not think of in, in terms of the number of playoff wins or uh, total touchdowns or whatever. Also, fuck. Okay, let me calm down. <laughs> the whole, they're only a Hall of Fame quarterback He's not a Hall of Fame quarterback, unfortunately, but like the total passing yard statistic right. and how like Eli's going to be top six all time when it's all said and done. Call me crazy. I'm here for a good time. Not always a long time. I care about if you're a top five quarterback for six to seven years you're playing, not the fact that you are a top 15 quarterback for the 15 years you played. I'm trying to win Super Bowls. I'm trying to have special seasons. I don't always need the longevity. Tom Brady is incredible because not only has he been longevity, but he's also been like top five, top 10 every year and performing under the clutches of moments. Mm -hmm. Frank Gore has played for a very long time. And I know that everybody wants to write a love song to Frank Gore all the time, <laughs> but there has not been a single season where he's been a top five running back. Not a single season. But he keeps and, churning. But Terrell Davis goes into the Hall of Fame because he played for six years. And three of them, he was the number one running back in the NFL. And three others, he was top five. Yeah. And so... The NFL is not made to be played for this long. We're just spoiled right now with Breeze and Brady and Ben and Eli and Phillip Rivers where, like, the magic sauce has come because those are the quarterbacks that have threw the ball away on third and long and didn't take the sacks and blamed their offensive line and got in arguments with the media that to protect me. 
Andrew Luck said, don't protect me. I'll go in there and get shellacked with this nonsense, with Trent Richardson behind me, with an offensive line of also runs and one wide receiver that misses seven games a year. God bless him. I just fucking love Andrew Luck. You seem to. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of stuff, though. I, I, it was... It was incredible. It was, I've never seen news happen like this. I do not get angry at Adam Schefter for breaking it. You got to break it. Why would you get mad at, who's mad at Schefter? A lot of people got mad at Schefter. I mean, you have news. What should he not do? Like, should he just not share it with the people? Like, it's information. Exactly. But uh, happy birthday to Andrew Luck. All right. So I have seven takeaways uh, from preseason week three. Mm -hmm. So excited for you guys to hear who the co-hosts are. Um, But... First one, quarterbacks of the future, Mm -hmm. and they're unlikely people. As everybody, and I want you to pick holes in this and ask follow-up questions. As everybody was focusing on the crowd booing Andrew Luck and what are the Colts going to do and can Jacoby Brissett do this, I watched the game the next day and said, are you guys seeing that the next franchise quarterback for the Colts might be on the team right now and it's not Jacoby Brissett? Chad Swag Kelly looked phenomenal. Granted, it was against a lot of the number twos of the Bears, but I'm just saying that he looks like a different player compared to his rookie season. The arm strength was unbelievable. He had three or four plays in that game that were luck Esque, breaking out of sacks, throwing frozen ropes on a dime. He does look like one of these guys that's real tough to bring down. I'm just saying, you guys, everybody was focused on Luck and Brissett and Chuck Pagano and all these moments returning to Indy. I'm just saying, watch out. The future of the Colts might be with Chad Swag Kelly, and you missed it. I don't think people, I mean, real Colts fans, I'm sure, were very eager to watch that next game and say, like, how is this team going to look minus Andrew Luck? And the fact is, you know, if 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 Chad Kelly can bring them to the promised land or, or Jacoby Brissett comes out and, you know, let's say they're four and one at the end of five weeks, maybe they're very excited. And, you know, we, we get to wish Andrew Luck a very successful retirement. It's a lot easier. It's an easier pill to swallow. I don't way. think Chad Kelly is playing this season. I think it's the Jacoby Brissett season. I'm just saying of the future. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about, oh, but if they finish 8-8, eight 9-7, and, eight, and seven, they're going to be picking around 15, which doesn't let them go after the Trevor Lawrences or the Tua Tonga-Vailoas. And I say, okay, but I'm saying you might have this steal of, a, of like a guy making no money in Chad Kelly that if he develops, and everyone thought he was arguably one of the most talented quarterbacks in a draft loaded with quarterbacks when he came out. Mm-hmm. Baker, Rosen, Sam, Allen, Lamar. Take a look on the bench. You might get a guy. Second left coat takeaway from preseason week three. The Saints quarterback of the future is also on the roster, and it's not Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, I love Taysom. Taysom Hill is the guy. Go to YouTube. Go to the NFL accounts. Just watch the long-form highlights of that game and tell me one play by Taysom Hill that doesn't look like the starter in the NFL that he should be. Mm -hmm. Drew Brees is going to play this year. His contract is coming up soon. I'm just letting you know 
that the way that Sean Payton can develop this offense with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill is is the offense of the future. And I am willing to say right now that I believe that the quarterback that replaces Drew Brees should be Taysom Hill. He is no longer just a gadget guy. And also, if the gadget guy improves the running game because he's a threat to keep it, it ain't a gadget guy. If we're willing to do this with Kyler, if we're willing to do this with Lamar, if we're willing to do this with Josh Allen, I believe that Taysom Hill is as good, if not better, of an athlete than the guys I just named. Wow. Taysom Hill is more physical and is more durable than Kyler Murray. Probably doesn't have the same speed. Taysom Hill is more accurate than Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. And I think is just as fast and just as athletic. And with the mind of Sean Payton, you build around Taysom Hill. I believe he's the guy that replaces Drew Brees going forward. Feeling hot right now. I think the Let number one fly. the number one priority is uh, making sure that Alvin Kamara can throw a dump off pass pretty well. Because if you can have Taysom Hill and being able to run out into the flats and Alvin Kamara, you never know if he's going to catch it or if he's going to run it. And you just got this crazy, unpredictable, insane three-man offense with Michael Thomas. Whoo, that's tough to stop. He is a beast, bro. Like, watching him is a joy. And... Uh, I, I really believe he's the guy. I really believe that Sean Payton is sitting there going, everyone thinks we're going to go with Teddy. Teddy's the backup. Well, you know, if, if anything that this Andrew Luck thing now, a couple days we've had to process it, there can never be enough good quarterbacks in no. the NFL. No, Right? It's, it's never enough to say, hey, we got 32 good quarterbacks this year. That's pretty cool. No, you need to have like 50 because I want there to be a good quarterback every Sunday for every team when every possible. Sun. Absolutely. And so the worst Hill thing is up, watching, the, watching Raiders uh, – Tampa Bay, and it's it's Matt McGloin. Peterson versus Drew Stanton, and yeah. you're like, and this determines a playoff seed. Exactly. All right. Uh, now, next stage, I noticed some things. This is from my gamblers out there, my betters out there. Some scheduling starts to the season and some betting things that interest me. Nugget number one for week one. The Browns might get a dozen sacks. I've watched a lot of the Browns this preseason, and I've watched a lot of the Titans. And I want to tell you that there's no matchup that looks more delectable to me (laughs) in week one than the Browns versus the Titans. Number one, defenses always start the year faster than offenses. They can act quickly. They can go speed. Offenses are still working on timing. Offensive line play always starts the season awful. Holdings are getting called every year. Defenses over offenses. Because offense is about precision and defense is about disruption. And it's a lot easier to disrupt things without an insane amount of practice time. So when you add in the fact that the Titans offensive line already stunk, and that Mariota or Tannehill, whoever plays, is already. It should be both of them. They should alternate. I love that. Yeah. Split quarterback backfield. Sweet. But then when you factor in the fact that Taylor Lewan is suspended, and it's Miles Garrett who might be my vote for defensive player of the year, mm-hmm. he's in my top three. And that offensive line for the. That defensive line of Sheldon Richardson. Uh, 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 Larry, um, uh, I can't even say his name. Um, but, um, Jovi, I'll look it up. I'm sorry. I apologize. Miles Garrett, uh, I mean, they go too deep. It's incredible. I believe that they might get 10 sacks in week one. Whew. 
So if you're betting, it just it sounds like a, and and no offense has looked more beautiful than the Baker Mayfield offense. What they have done in their three preseason games from an efficiency standpoint, they've looked incredible. Incredible. I love the Browns in week one. I know a lot of people will too, but it's just something that I've been seeing. It's on you, Mike Vrabel. You got to come up with some sort of like over pursuit offense plays and get some Derrick Henry in the flat action. So my other two, though, that one's a little bit more obvious. My other two that are a little bit, these are fade plays. I'm selling Chargers early on. The Chargers D could struggle early. I know that people are going to look and they're playing Jacoby Brissett and the Colts and they're going to go, oh, they're going to eat that alive. They're going to be depressed. I'm going the opposite. The Colts offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, that's not going to change. And that doesn't change. Their second game is at Detroit, a team that likes to pound the rock. I'm seeing right now with the Chargers that – The issues that I was worried about the last few years, I don't know if they're fully fixed right now in terms of not having a lot of depth at D-line. Also, you factor in the the injuries to Derwin James, the uh, injury to Russell Okun, their starting left tackle, uh, the fact that I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to go right away. I could see the Chargers starting slow against Indy and Detroit, and the second one's at Detroit, and I might be fading the Chargers early in this season. They're also a team that they're not really good at analytics. They're not really good at tape study. They started off a little bit slow last year. I'm fading the Chargers early in this season. I think they'll eventually get these guys back and be healthy, but I'm worried about them. The other team that I'm buying that I think a lot of people are selling early on is Denver. Mm. They get there at the Raiders Monday night football game. And historically they've done very well against the Raiders. And I think the Broncos might have a top five front seven and nobody's talking about it. The pass rushers of Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, you could put that up against anybody in the NFL. That's right up there with Bosa and Ingram. That's right up there with what they got in Cleveland. It's better than Minnesota. And when you factor in the fact that it's Vic Fangio, so he gets four months to prepare for the Raiders, who like the Raiders are missing uh, Gabe uh, Martin, I think it is Gabe Watson, whatever the I think it's Gabe Watson for the first eight weeks, and the no Antonio Brown to practice with, and all this John Gruden stuff. Like Vic Fangio is going to eat, and then what's the second one? It's a home against the Bears. Vic Fangio's former team. Who the fuck is going to know how to stop Nagy's offense more than Vic Fangio? He's been watching them in practice for the last two, three years. He's going to know all of Trubisky's weaknesses, and he's going to attack them. It's a Fangio revenge game, and Denver at home in September is one of the locks you should always make because of the... um, What's it called? The air... The altitude. Altitude. It chronic... Denver has historically an incredible advantage in September at home because teams are not used to it. I think Denver might sneakily start off the season 2-0 and and catch people by a lot of surprise. Now, you asked me to poke holes in your yes. thoughts. Okay, number one, I don't buy the whole, oh, he used to coach over here, so now he's going to be able to tell all the secrets. Yes, I'm sure he knows some of the strengths and weaknesses, sure. but I think Matt Nagy knows that Vic Fangio is preparing him for all the stuff that uh, he, you know what my, I mean? Like my they, main you can thing overthink comes down it. to is though, 
a lot of times where I go with season-long predictions and game predictions is who's the better coach. And I believe that Mick, Vic Fangio is a better defensive coach than Matt Nagy is an offensive coach. Mm-hmm. Matt Nagy is a top eight offensive coach in the NFL. Fangio's a top three. That's a very different and, argument, and I respect yeah. that. I just I, I don't like overreacting to the like, hey, you know, uh, Danny Amendola, he's on the Dolphins now, so he's going to be able to tell you players, everything Tom Brady does. Players and coaches are different. I, I know, yeah, but yeah. people do tend to get really excited about that stuff of former coaches. Oh, when, when Bill Belichick signs the tight end that was cut from the team the week before, <laughs> yeah. I don't buy into that. But, I, but uh, like, I watched Kyle Shanahan tear up his old defensive coordinators that he was on the same scheme. Kyle with. Shanahan does tear up a lot of defensive and, coordinators and he's think, never worked and, with. And I, I would argue that Vic Fangio shuts down a lot of people that he's played with. Yeah. So it's more of, I think Vic Fangio has watched Mitchell Trubisky for two or three years, and he knows everything that that motherfucker doesn't like. <laughs> right. And, and so it's more of, um, you know me, man, I love me some Vic. And so it's, Again, you're poking holes because there's holes to be poked. Yeah. I'm taking uh, I'm taking un, unsubstantiated takes. I like it. I like I it. I was just I, I'm doing my 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 dutiful duty over here. Because it is my duty to go against the grain because every year there's some team that starts 2 and 0 mm-hmm. and we go, Whoa. "How did that happen?" Oh my god. And last year I called it with the Bucks. Because the Bucks always play the Saints really well. And Fitzpatrick's when, always great in and, September. And when you go to Tampa Bay in September and it's 94 degrees, <laughs> yeah. that's how you lose. But people forget that shit. Mm-hmm. Playing in Denver, playing in Miami, playing in Tampa early in the year is an insane advantage. And we forget about it when we start picking these games. So I'm just trying to get ahead of it. And the other game that you mentioned was Denver versus Oakland. Do we have any data on how teams that just came off of a hard knock season do against mm. the spread in week one? Because that's got to be exhausting to have cameras in your face 38 hours a day. Keep going on that, though. <laughs> I just do think it's an interesting thing. For, I, I, obviously, the numbers are going to be skewed, and they might not mean anything. But I'm right. very curious for someone like Oakland Raiders who, oh, God, there's just been a lot of media, a lot of stuff in their face. I mean, as you just mentioned, athletes are people, too. And the teams overall, they've got to be just so ready for the season to start. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say that in the um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11. In the last 16 times that the Broncos have played the Raiders, the Broncos are 11 and 5. Huh. So they've had their number too. Yeah. And so I just, a lot of people get very excited about the Raiders. People are going to go, Joe Flacco, how fucking boring. And I'm going to go, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb are going to be incredible. So Joe I'm Flacco just, wins football games. He does. He does. All right. So my other uh, seven. Uh, my other two takeaways from the seven takeaways are defensive young studs that I'm just noticing. Holy shit. Sure. Number one is on your Patriots team. Chase Vinovich is going to be a star and it's going to be annoying. And he already <laughs> looks like the next Clay Matthews. He's got the salad. And it's the, this is the hair, year of the salad. And it's the look of Luke Wilson, all that stuff. It's the year of the salad. But. I'm watching him in the preseason games look unblockable. Yeah. He is, and it's it, it could be called a lazy comparison, he looks like the Ninkovich. He looks like 
the Matthews. He looks like the effort pass rusher that's white. I get it. I got a little Richard Seymour vibe because I know you said Daryl Morey likes to have when you do athlete comparisons. I don't don't... know about that because Richard Seymour was a mountain of a man. Yes. And Vinovich is actually a lot more shifty uh, than... Uh, I would give him credit for it. Like, he is quick, and he's got some strength to him. But, like, more importantly, the motherfucker's fast. And he is going to be—he's going to be the Jabal Sheard. I think he's more the Jabal Sheard than he is the Ninkovich. I'll take that. And really quick around the edge, Vinovich might get eight sacks this year. Like— I wouldn't say no to that. I know. Like, I'm <laughs> you, very you just seem overall angry that the Patriots got yet another guy you're excited about and you wish was on the Eagles. Uh, no, no, no. It's not about that. I'm. I don't get angry anymore about the Patriots. I get um, impressed that when they draft, they're not always great, but when they hit, they really hit. Like this Jacoby Myers kid that you guys oh, got. So exciting. Seventh round. Catches rounder, everything. That's why, and I, I know I'm recording this and it might get outdated because Jadavian Clowney could get traded at any point. By the way, I'm fully expecting a lot of trades to happen on Labor Day weekend. This is the trade where this is the weekend where Khalil Mack got traded. There's going to be a lot of guys that are getting cut that teams are gonna be like, let's get some picks for this. This I is like, when the Eagles got Darren Sproles a yeah. few years ago. I liked your theory though that Jadavian Clowney is gonna be traded because some GM is gonna be showing off. He's gonna be flat at a barbecue. Yeah. He's going to be like, hey, you know what I'm, I can do? Because I'm the GM of whatever team. Like Bruce Allen. Watch this. I can make a text. Boom. Now we have Jadavian Clowney on our roster. Yeah, Bruce Allen's like with his high school friends <laughs> yeah. that hasn't seen his I like this theory. Oh, man. Like, what was the last thing you did? And he's like, uh, you, you want me to get Jadavian Clowney right now? And then he like pops open to be like, while he's playing cornhole, like he throws up his, by the way, just got Clowney, and then like dunks a cornhole, yeah. and he's like, got him. Because it, No, it starts because one of his high school buddies is like, hey, I just made partner in my law firm. He's like, hey, that's pretty cool. Watch this. I have Jadavian Clowney on my team now. <laughs> I love that. The that's other... why everything happens on Labor Day weekend, though. This is the only explanation. I will say, though, that a lot of times if if coaches will, they'll work holidays and stuff, but they, like every office, they want to get all their shit done so that they can have some time at home if they have time at home. Right. And a lot of times we're we're getting ready to make our end of the year cuts. They got to go from 90 to 53. Yeah. And so they're looking over and they're going, I got surplus here at wide receiver. I got surplus here at offensive line. Maybe we can move somebody right now. And so they go home and they get a little separated from work and they're sitting there and they, and they, they read a tweet. Or they see uh, something on NFL Network, and they say, Jadavian Clowney is on the trading block. And they're like, shit, man. I could really use Jadavian Clowney. And mm-hmm. like, shit, what do I need Nelson Aguilar for? This J.J. Ortega <laughs> Whiteside's doing really, maybe you know, we'll float him out there. I, th- I totally think that's a thing. Or it's more, not what do I need Nelson Aguilar for? It's what do I need the fifth round pick in three years when I might not even be working here then? Uh-oh. Like, what do I need that for? I am a huge fan of... Like the other thing too about trading for Jadavian Clowney that I hope it happens is if you trade, like let's say Washington says, we don't think Trent Williams is going to happen. Let's trade him there and we get Jadavian Clowney. And then the fans go, but what if he leaves after a year? Well, the way it currently works with the comp- compensatory pick process is if Jadavian Clowney leaves after a year and then goes and signs with another team, you're going to get a third round pick back. 
So really what you're doing is you're trading Trent Williams, who wasn't going to play for you. You plus. get a year of Jadavian Clowney, plus you get a third-round pick in two years. Yeah. So you are getting something for him. But if Trent Williams signs anywhere, you're just getting a third-round pick, but he's not playing this year. So if the Eagles were to trade Nelson Aguilar, who they're probably going, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside could fit in right there, or Mac Hollins, and we're getting a third-round pick in two years— it, it's trading. You're getting the value back itself. Yeah. The compensatory pick process. You're getting a third round pick for Jadavian Clowney, and um, I think it's going to happen. And if I, you ask the Toronto Raptors, what is it like? What if he leaves after a year? It could still be a really good year. <laughs> you wouldn't trade that for for anything. I, would you trade Jacoby Myers for J, for Jadavian Clowney? Because <sighs> you have Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, um, Sony Michelle. Demi- I, yeah. You don't believe? Um. No, but I also, I was thinking about, could they trade Demarius Thomas back to the Texans, but I don't think the Texans would trade. I, I would I would want to talk to, because in this case, I'm the GM of the Patriots, so I would go, first thing I would do is I would go to Tom Brady, and I would say, is this going to be one of your guys yeah. this year? Because if Tom says, I like Jacoby, I like this kid, he's he's do, he and I are clicking, he's going to be yeah. my buddy, I want his locker right next to mine, I'm not trading him for gold. Right. But if he's like, yeah, you know what, I'll be fine with Julian, let's let's run it back with Julian and uh, and all and Josh Gordon, and we'll just see how it goes. But you know what? I would love to have Jadavian Clowney on this team. Man, who would the, the the team that I'm sure has called, but I doubt it's going to work, is the Vikings offering up Laquan Treadwell okay. for Jadavian Clowney. They've put him on the books on the the trading block because they definitely got to sign him. And the Vikings have a huge depth issue as they always do on their defensive line. Um, I just don't think Latron, Laquan Treadwell is going to get it done. But I look at your team too. And I look at your D-line, and while I do love, I do like the Danny Sheltons and the Adam Butlers, and I do like the Mike Pennells and the Lawrence guys and the Dietrich Wises, the only guy that I really love on your D-line is Michael Bennett. And I look at Jadavian Clowney at, I mean, you lost um, Trey Flowers, you lost Malcolm Brown. There's a lot of guys that have been rotational guys for the Patriots, but if they were able to get Clowney, and I look at your wide receivers, I would trade Dorsett for Clowney. Oh, Phil uh, Dorsett, yeah, sure, he's gone. But but I'm looking, but I'm looking at your guys. Like if you went into the league, if let's say you traded Jacoby Myers, if you went in with Dorsett, Gordon, Edelman, Demarius Thomas, Nikhil, Harry, Braxton, Berrios, you can get that done. You can make that happen. Yeah. But if Jacoby Myers is the guy, I, I could see them trading Philip Dorsett. And you haven't even mentioned the inevitable guy off the Bills practice squad that we're going to grab at some point in October, Absolutely. and he's going to have six more touchdowns. Um, the only other note that I want to say, it wasn't part of my seven, it's just something to think about, is um, one thing that I would like to do this season is a thing that I want to call thought theft, which is I am not the smartest man that's ever covered the NFL, and I'm not afraid to look at other people covering the NFL and steal their thoughts. And even if you were the smartest person to cover the NFL, you still you wouldn't be smarter steal. than everyone else's takes on the planet. Sean McVay is still stealing plays from other people. Yeah. And I heard my former co-host, Mr. Sims, say the Packers might end up having a top five defense this year. And it clicked because I write down every news story that's coming on. I chart all injuries in my books because I'm looking for trends. An article just came out this week that said when Clay Matthews went in to go talk to the Packers, he was expecting a way. I just had a third kid. How are we going to extend? And they instead told him, we don't have room for you. Last week over the weekend, the Packers released Josh Jones, a second round pick Mm -hmm. from last year. So, 
in one offseason, they told an all-time great, we don't have room for you. And before everybody made their cuts, they were confident enough to cut a former second round pick, which usually would cause an uproar on a fan base going, oh, you failed. They're so confident in their defense, they're willing to get rid of these people. I'm just putting all these things together with the fact that Mike Pettin's been good. The Green Bay Packers defense could be really scary this year because it fits an analyst, analyst that I trust with teams showing you the depth is fucking crazy right now. And when you look at them and you see Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos and Kevin King and Jair Alexander and Tremont Brown and Tony Brown in the secondary, and then you look at their edge rushers with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, and we saw it with Rashawn Gary and what he could be as a first round pick and Kyler Fackrell now being the fourth or fifth guy, not the first with Kenny Clark in the middle with Montrevious Adams, this Green Bay Packers defense. Everyone's talking about could Matt LaFleur's offense work with Aaron Rodgers? They might not need 35 points. They might need 25. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm excited about the Packers, right? I like it. I dig it. So for me, it's it's. Taking th- taking a thought that I went, oh, I haven't heard that thought, and then going, is there any clues that no one's paying attention to? Teams that cut guys now before the massive cuts are fucking deep as shit. And they feel comfortable making that, and they're yes. like, I don't need to wait. I'm fine yes. making this. I feel super cool doing it. We always say, isn't it nice when a team gives a player more than ample time to test the market? The only teams that are willing to do that are the teams that are a little bit cocky. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is like, I don't know. Who should we cut? Let's wait till the day of. So is the uh, the Green Bay Packers, are you leaning toward them for NFC North, or are you on to wait? Find out on Thursday's podcast. It's called a tease. It is called a tease. So on Thursday's podcast, we are going to do the playoff teams. We are going to do some awards. I am going to, uh, with all of my picks, let you know what the the lines are in case you want to bet them. I've already told you my bets, though, for the season. And we will be announcing the co-hosts, hopefully, on Thursday. Because next week... It's first week of the year, man. Yeah, it's happening. Holy crap. Labor Day weekend. Exciting. It's so exciting. You know, nothing stops for the NFL season. It's coming. Whether whether you're ready for it or not. Here and then it is. and then next Wednesday, first episode of Ditch the Playbook. Oh yeah, watch Woo! out for that. Get on the BR app. All right. I love you guys very much. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. I love Andrew Luck. Good um good life, man. Yeah. Go and, and and live like you've never lived before. Go and hug one of the people you love if you haven't hugged him in a while. And don't become an analyst in the NFL. If you do that, I'm pissed. And if you're on a two-lane highway, don't be the same speed as the car next to you. That was just, really good. Just don't do that. Have you done that one before? No, of course not. No, I mean, have you given that advice? No. Is that, just, your, is that your parting wisdom? Oh, we were David, on the road for about eight hours on Friday, and David I've been Ingmar. thinking about it. <laughs> don't drive in the same lane. I am Adam Lefko. Holla, holla, holla. Nick running audio. Appreciate you, Jake, on the edit. You're the fucking man. We'll talk to you guys later. Be well.